But this morning, I want to take a little bit of time and teach into um, this whole idea of living a confident life, a life of confident joy. Now, um, you know, obviously people are going to wear different lenses in life and they're going to interpret their story and their situation through that lens that they wear. Um, For some people, you know, as I was watching the tube um, the other night, I think it was late Friday night, there was an advert for a movie coming on. I, I don't know if it was last night or tonight or whatever, but it was 2012 is the name of the movie. But anyway, where is this? it was this movie that was produced about how the, the world was going to end in 2012 and how it was going to be this great big sort of Holocaust-type thing and everything was going to blow up and fall down and melt away. And I kind of found that humorous because I'm sitting here in 2016 watching an ad about what was going to happen in 2012 and it didn't quite happen. But anyway, that aside, I don't want to press into the theology of the end times this morning, but what I want to do is highlight, that's how some people have a lens on their interpretation of where life is going or what they're expecting of life to come towards them through this interpretive lens. And, um, and this morning, I want us to spend a little bit of time exploring um, the lens that the Apostle Paul wore as, as he wrote to the church in Philippi. And Paul is just a, I mean, this guy just is such a champion to me. I just think his, his story and the way that he holds on to this reality of the anticipation of Jesus making everything new and transforming it, even from the depths of some very difficult circumstance in which he found himself, I'm just like, go, God, I, wanna, I want that lens. I want that lens in my life of Jesus and an interpretation of life in all its fullness in Christ. And, and Paul is just an amazing character, and we'll touch on him this morning. But simply to say that when, when my life was um, touched by the inbreaking of the reality of Jesus' love for my life, when Jesus introduced himself to me in an overwhelming way, I became very, very um, aware that he was not just meeting me, but he was calling me out of my story and into his story. He was calling me out of a life where everything had to be centered around me, my wills, my making sure my life was good and I was comfortable and I was happy. And, and he called me out of that. He called me to himself. And in the process of that, he took me from me being the center of my story to him saying, now come with me. I'm going to be the one who's the center of your story from this time on. And you know what I did? I said, the, I uttered these words. I went, yes, Lord. I said, yes, Lord. And in doing that, what I was saying is, Jesus, you have a far better grasp and an understanding of what the life of God and the kingdom and what life should be about. And I want you to show me the way to live it. And so I'm, you are the center and I want to live from that place. Now, um, so God has been on this, you know, interesting, powerful, life-transforming, reorientating work in my life. And um, recently I've been reading this book by Eugene Peterson called um, 
the, uh, the long obedience. It's called The Long Obedience to God in the Same Direction is the name of the book. And it's actually a 20-year-old book, but it's been revised a few times. And it's, it's a look at the Psalms of Ascent, which is all about from about Psalm 120 to about 130-something or other. And what they're doing is it's a, it's a series of writings and songs and poems of when the people of God decided that annually they would turn their life and direction from where it was going and they would orientate it towards the house of God, towards Jerusalem, and then they would make pilgrimage towards meeting with God as the people of God. And in the context of being the people of God, individuals found out their true identity and purpose. But the point was they were together on journey towards God. And that was, that's what these psalms are about. And Peterson um, writes, you know, really wonderfully over these psalms. But one of the things he says is that, he says this quote, he says, We can decide to live in response to the abundance of God and not under the dictatorship of our own poor needs. We can decide to live in the environment of a living God and not under our own dying selves. He says, we can decide to center ourselves in the God who generously gives and not in our own egos, which greedily grab. One of the certain consequences of such a life is joy. Is joy. Now, if you'll notice Peterson's quote there, uh, at, at the beginning of each kind of paragraph, he, he makes this statement. He says, we can decide. We can decide. In other words, God is making himself abundantly available and inviting us into the generosity of God. But there comes a response from you and I, from us, and that is, what will we decide to do with that? And that's what Peterson is pressing in on in that quote. You know, it's very, um, let me just say like this, it's not unfamiliar in my own experience or the experience of many people that I've walked life with as, as a disciple of Jesus for the last 25 years, where the abundance of God has been made known to them, but they're unwilling to make the decision to actually engage with that with that reality, and instead choose to stand and stay under the dictatorship of their own poverty. For whatever reason, I don't pretend to understand all the reasons for that, why people would choose that, be it personal pain, brokenness, mistrust, abuse. I, I, I don't know why, the reasons why, but all I'm saying is there comes a point where for the followers of God, we can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, choose to live in an environment of the generosity of God and no longer under the dictatorship of our own poverty. So the, the thing is, what lens are we wearing? And what have we decided about who Jesus is in relation to God and what that looks like for us as a life lived? Now, if you've got your Bible... Open it up to Philippians chapter 1, and um, 
or if you haven't got your Bible there, the, the scripture will be on the screen for you to read in a minute. But here is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi. Now, the Philippian church is, is um, probably, uh, depending on where you want to date what imprisoning this was of Paul's, because he was in prison a few times, uh, and where he's writing from. Um, but the point is, he's writing from prison to them. And in, in his, he, he's writing to a group of people that he has journeyed with over a good season of time. Over a good season of time. And the Philippian church, I mean, they're a great church. If you read the whole book, they're an amazing church. They're, they're a brotherly church. They're very... Um, affectionate people. There are people who are, are, are big-time contributors to the work of God. They're aware of their own limited resources, but they choose to live generously instead because of who Christ is to them and come alive to them. And, and yet at the same time, if you read through the book, you know, Paul has to take a few side notes. And he goes, hey, now listen, can you tell that person and that person, quit the squabbling, will you? And let's just get on with the, the greater works of the kingdom of God. So he addresses everything in this, in this book to the Philippians, and he loves the Philippian church. But as we read this together... I want you to try and pay attention to the heart of Paul and the emotions of Paul in his choice of words. I want, I want us to try and pay attention to all of that and to realize, and this is going to be tricky, but I want us to try and hear this as a collective, not as an individual. Because Paul's writing to a people. He's not writing to a person. So now we've been taught when we hear everything, we filter it through the letter I. <laughs> it's like, what's this got to do with me, 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 me? Because we still want to put ourselves at the center of interpreting how our life should be. Well, that's very Western thinking. Here, this is Eastern thinking. So Paul is writing to a, a people. So you've got to try and hear it differently. You've got to hear it as He's writing to us. So I'm hearing it for me, and I'm hearing it for, for Anna, and I'm hearing it for Tony and Leanne, and I'm hearing this for, for, for Melvin, and I'm hearing it for, for Simone. I'm hearing it for us. I'm not, I'm not just hearing it for Kirk. So can you kind of have that over your ears as, as we read the Bible together? And the other thing you've got to remember is, as you're listening to Paul here, understand where he is. He's in prison. He's in prison. And he's in prison <laughs> ultimately because people are upset with him because of his love for Jesus. But he's in prison. So you might kind of think for someone that's in prison, they might, it's like this guy sounds like incredibly like buoyant for someone living in prison. But just let's have a, let's have a listen to, together. Uh, Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. I love that declaration of identity over the people of Jesus, straight off the bat. You guys are the saints of God. He doesn't... Oh, you dirt and rotty, dirt and rotty sinners, you scoundrel. No, you guys are the saints of God. What a great declaration. 
through Jesus. Together with all of the overseers and deacons. And I love that too. Because he says saints do among them have kingdom leaders and people in authority and position. And it can be a healthy experience in Christ Jesus. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayer for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affections of Christ Jesus. This, this, this guy's really writing from the heart here. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you might be able to discern what is best and be able to be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and to the glory and praise of God. What I love about Paul's um, letter here to the Philippians is there is this great sense of it's more than optimism flowing through this man. It's more than just like, I'm going to choose to ignore reality. There's something flowing through this guy's experience of life that is incredibly powerful and born out of his relationship with Jesus Christ. There is something supernatural about this that is available to all people. And he has this capacity to knowing that whatever his situation is, the story ain't over. The story isn't over. God has started something very, very good. And he's busy about that. And he will bring it through to completion. But if, I, if we were going to break down Paul's joy, there's a few things in that little scripture that we've just read that I want to highlight this morning that fuels a life of, of joy confident, no matter what circumstance might be. And for us as the people of God here in this place, you know what? In 1995, God started something good here. God started something good here in 1995. And he's at work to bring it through to completion, that good work, unto the day of Jesus when he gathers this place, this body of Jesus up unto himself and he says, that is so good. That is so good. He is just going to bring us through to completion. I mean, over the years, I have had to contend with so many, like, curses, criticisms, death sentences, and words spoken over Vineyard Pine Rivers will die and it will never happen and blah, 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 blah. Well, 21 years later, what God started is good. He's still saying is good, and it will ultimately, at the end of the end of the end, when he returns in Christ, he will say, you know what you guys are? You're good. You're good. That's the story of Paul's conviction. 
That's the lens of confidence in Christ and Christ alone. It's not buoyed up optimism, born out of a self-will or motivation. Paul's life is infused into the son of the living God who lived, died, rose again and engaged with Paul and said, now let me be the center of everything you do and think. Come with me. And he lived with this buoyancy, even in the context of prison, to say, this is, God is working out something so good here. You'd think a guy in prison would be bitter about the fact that God had allowed him to go there. But he didn't. He didn't get bitter. He stayed in that place of the generosity of God. And he said, the people of God, those saints, those saints of God in the earth. Well, let's look at Paul's life of joy. And I just want to break down into a few small things here. Paul's confidence and joy, we can see here, is born out of a lifestyle of, of recollection or memory. Paul actively, and I, Paul actively takes time to be remembering the very people who are reaching towards him at, from Philippi. The reason why he's writing back to them is because they have sent a gift to him. And I think in this context, it's not just people, but it's actually a financial blessing. I'll unpack that in a second. But the people of Philippi send a financial blessing to Paul in prison. And so he's writing a return to them. And, and, and as this gift arrives of their, their love towards him in Christ, through this um, financial gift, as well as people, he just goes, you know what? Whenever I think of those Philippians, whenever I think of you guys, I just can't help but thank God about who you are. You, you are an amazing people of Jesus. Paul here chooses to recall the generosity and the goodness of God to his life through the Philippian people. Nicole and I, we make it a practice, or we try to make it a practice every year to have a memory bank. And part of the memory bank that we do practically every year is a glass jar. And in the glass jar, we write on the front of the glass jar the year. So 2016. And every time that there is something wonderful that comes our way from any random person, be it, uh, or it may be from amongst ourselves as a family unit, we write that memory down and we shove it in the jar. And then at the end of the year, on December 31, we sit together as a family around the dinner table, we have a meal and a few drinks, and we open the jar and we remember the memories. And we recall the generosity of God to our life. Very simple, very practical little thing to do. But I tell you who leads the charge in facilitating that in our household? Our children. They love it. They've got like such a hunger and a desire to want to remember the good stuff. It's these kind of older kids that, you know, because life gets a bit hard and tough, we, we, we get a bit crusty but through the children's love for remembering how we've been blessed and looked after. And I also make a practice of this on, in my computer. When anybody ever sends me like, or even prays for me, be it here at church or when I'm on the road, wherever it is, and they say a prophetic word to me, like I feel like God's saying this, and it, and it lands in my heart, I will turn to them and I will say, can you, here's my email, can you please email that to me? And they'll do that, and I'll, they'll email it to me, and then I have this big bank 
of what God's been trying to say to me so generously and graciously through his people, through the course of a year, that I might stay close to him. So God is, is busting his gut to reach us. And one of the things that we can very practically do is take those moments, record those moments, and then celebrate those moments, recalling how good God is. And this is a part of why Paul is a guy just flowing with kingdom joy and confidence because he knows the story. Every time I think of you guys, man, I can't help but thank God. I can't help but thank God. You know, when I go through those little prophetic words, when when I'm going through like a bit of a hard spot or whatever and I read them, I go, God, just the Spirit of God testifies to my spirit and I come alive and I just want thank you God for them thank you that you spoke to them for my well-being thank you God be it gifts emails whatever I encourage you make make a point of remembering and recalling and I just think that's a big word of the Holy Spirit today because Simone all through worship was leading us to the point of everything that's hurt and broken and dead or or dysfunctional or disappointed or come back to life remember God remember Jesus remember how he loves you remember how he's reached towards you through others I think that's like the Holy Spirit this morning is on this he wants us to be a people who recall the goodness of God so that when we're ever with people, we can speak of his greatness, his kindness. I want to encourage you, take a moment, allow your heart to recall and be filled with memory after memory, moment after moment of God's kindness, generosity, love and power that he has sent your way. He has sent your way through the life of the people of Vineyard Pine Rivers. Have a think about them. Capture them. And again, start to thank God for them. It's important you do this because it fuels the life of confident joy. Paul's confident joy is also one of a life of intercession. He says there, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now, let's just think about the people we love. It's great to be able to pray with joy. No worries about the people that we love. But let's think about the people that are a little harder to love that are in our life. How how are we praying for them? Is the joy there? Is Is the joy of the Lord there? And if it's not, then maybe there's some homework there that the Holy Spirit's inviting you into. Lord, I I, want to be like Paul, pray from joy. Pray from this life of overflow of your kindness and generosity towards me. You see, there is a real power and a privilege to also understand that as the saints of God, as Paul calls us, there is a privilege to be in prayer for others. Incredible privilege. I, 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 I'm amazed at the places and stages of life that people find themselves in where God has invited me to go and sit with them in it. I'm like, God, I got, I got nothing. What have I got to bring to this? And I just turn up and I find them in these incredible places of both difficulty and victory to sit with them and go, God, would you 
bless them? Would you bring your kingdom to them? Just yesterday, a young man that I know who's traveling the world at the moment, he, is on, he, needs to, he needed to raise some money for a missions trip. And the, the cutoff for his finance for that missions trip was this week just gone, Friday just gone. And so he, he, he spent some time FaceTiming with me yesterday afternoon and he's like, what do I do about this? So this is like I, I'm like, I'm really cut up about this. It's kind of like the high point of why I'm here and all of a sudden I'm out of resource and I don't have the capacity to do it. And I didn't go into anything of the, well, how come you find yourself in that position? I just listened to his story and I said, God, you know what he needs. Would you just send your kingdom order into his circumstance? And so we get off the Facebook thing. We spend about half an hour on the, fa- on the Facebook together. And then anyway, I'm about, you know, and I'm, I'm praying like I won't say like the prayers of a general. I'm just praying like, Oh, God, <laughs> what are you going to do for this guy? He, I know you're generous and your kingdom is good. Can you help him out? That's about the weight of my prayers. But they were flowing out of concern. They were flowing out of compassion. Well, anyway, as I go to bed last night at about 11 o'clock last night, my phone beeps and he sends me a message. He says, you'll never believe it. I send back. What won't I never believe? He said some random people anonymously put money into my bank account so that I could go on my missions trip. And I was just like, I went to bed like I was high with Jesus. I was filled with joy. I was like over, I was getting undone in my heart because I'm like, God, that's so amazing. That you invited someone like me to be a part of you reaching towards another. Thank you for the privilege that I got to be a part of that. Just thanks. God has like privileged us to be the saints of God in the earth. You are a privileged and an anointed people to stand and ask our Father for his good kingdom to come for those that we walk life with. Our Father is so good. And joy, I tell you, joy comes with that. Because you've got to understand, this morning, when I went to bed at 11, I knew that at 3 a.m. the kitchen was going to get noisy with Luke having breakfast to get ready to go on his triathlon. And that I wasn't too joyful about. But when I got this text message as I went to lay down in bed... The grumpy man that I was knowing I was only going to get four hours sleep, if that. This text message just, the story, the testimony of God touched me in such a way that, hey, yeah, I got three hours sleep. But man, you know what? I'm, I'm burning on joy right now. I'm burning on the joy of the Lord in my bones. I'm so thankful that he, he answered my friend's need through the prayers of the saints. You guys are a very anointed and privileged people to bring the kingdom for others. And Paul lived like that. That's what fueled his life of joy. The joy to be able to intercede for others. Paul wasn't, he, went, he goes on a little bit and he's like, he clearly doesn't put himself in the center of his own story. He clearly puts Jesus as the center. 
He says, look, whether I'm in chains or not in chains, that's irrelevant. It's, it's got nothing to do with any of this. It's all about Jesus. What a guy. Confidence and joy. The joy of intercession. The other thing is the joy of participation. Now, you know, here... Um, Paul uses these words. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Like I said before, these guys with Paul, Philippian church with Paul, have had a long relationship over many years. And they have, over, those over that time, sent gifts and love and prayer for the well-being of Paul and the mission of God into the, the Gentile world through Paul. And Paul here is like, I'm so thankful to God because of your partnership. Now, the word there that he uses in partnership is the Greek word koinonia. Now, traditionally, that word is used to mean community or fellowship or context of doing life together. And there is, in sense, um, in this use of the word here, a sense of that. But there is also that word koinonia is used many, many times throughout the context of the New Testament story where it actually is referring to the people of God releasing a contribution to the well-being of another, a financial contribution. So Paul here is actually saying, I'm so thankful for your you're a contributor. You're a participant. You're, you're an active giver into the cause of God's kingdom in the earth. I'm so pleased to know that you're contributors and not consumers, you know? Like that you're willing to just give generously of your resources, of your time, of your energy, of your prayer life. But in this context in particular, your finances. Paul is the recipient of a financial gift and he understands that to be a, a, a place to give thanks to God for their participation in the gospel. Now, you've got to understand that they're, they're giving to Paul a financial gift. Well, they're, they're, the guys are delivering it to Paul. But it's Paul saying, hey, thanks for the gift, but I know the motivation of why you're giving. Because of your contribution in the work of the gospel, not the life of Paul, but the work of the gospel, which is that the word and works of the kingdom of God is now at hand. Jesus is the new king, and God has come to reconcile all things unto himself. And that's a great mission, and it's flooding the earth. And Paul says, I love you guys because you guys get it. As much as you're sending money and money to me and resources to me, I know you're doing it because with this money, we can expand the front line of the kingdom of God in the earth. That's why they're giving. That's why they're giving. And that just lights Paul up. There's this buoyancy of confidence in the goodness of God, not based on the fact that Paul's, he's in prison. But even prison can't stop the work of the gospel advancing in the earth. Now, you guys might need to get online and actually start reading what God is doing in the earth today. It is explosive and expansive all over the world. There are people, there are like in the, I think it's like the next two minutes, 
There will be nearly 300 people in the earth in the next two minutes who will turn their life over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the explosive, expansive reality we're living in. Not the movie 2012. Not the movie 2012. We're living in the story of the advancing gospel of the kingdom of God in the earth as it is in the heavens. That's why these guys are lit up. That's why they contribute. That's why they say, and in fact, the Macedonians, the Macedonians, you've got to read about the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 10. They are the poorest of the poor, and yet they're like, get out of the way. We want to be the first in line. We want to give everything we've got because the gospel's going forward. People are finding Jesus. The kingdom's coming. People are getting set free, healed, delivered, and so forth. And so for Paul, he's like, man, Kingdom joy, there's a part of that is about being a contributor, a participator in the gospel of the kingdom going forward. Where in our Christian discipleship, over the years, weeks, maybe even in the conversation this morning you had with God on the way to church in the car, where have we in our Christian discipleship resisted the invitations of God to be generous towards the work of his kingdom expanding? Where are those pressure points where we've said, only to there? Don't, no, no, I won't go any further, just to there. Where are the pressure points where we've, at that point, forgotten who we are and who we belong to and why we're here? Can I suggest that in those moments where you discover these these, these pressure points of, of resisting the invitations of the Holy Spirit, that we're actually forgetting that we are the sons and daughters of the living God through Jesus Christ and heirs with the King himself. Can I suggest that maybe we've forgotten who we really are in those moments of resistance? Where we've allowed our brokenness, shame or pain dictate to us and keep us in bondage from the very joy that we know is waiting for us in the freedom of being the people of God in Jesus Christ. Please take time. I'm not just talking about your financial life here. We are talking about your sense of time and talents and whose, whose story, whose work we're actually living in. Remember how at the very start I said, I, I, I actually said yes, Lord, to Jesus and allowed him to be the author and the perfecter of my faith, my story? That, that, that's what it means. It means to, where else have I taken the time that he's given me, taken the time and the resources that he's blessed my life with and resisted returning them unto him? Because that's the framework that the follower of Jesus lives in. Joy, I love it when you can give because joy comes with giving. I love it in those times where through my Christian discipleship, knowing the resources that I have in the bank, and Jesus says to me, go and give that to them, will you? And I'm like, yeah, but do you know that I've got this, thus, and so to pay? Yes, but go and give that to them. Those moments where God just wants to know, will I say yes, Lord, and actually do, Lord? <laughs> you know, not just say it, but do it. When you come through those moments, I know for me and Nicole over the years, our lives have been so generously filled with the joy of the Lord to know that what we gave to another 
for the sake of Jesus' work in their life. It just expanded the kingdom there and, it, and, and the flow back was joy and confidence that God would look after our life too. And finally, I want to say Paul's confidence and joy is built clearly on a life of anticipation. Paul is confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Just last week, I sat in a coffee shop with an old mate up at North Lakes. And he's what I would probably call someone who's um, gone to sleep in their relationship with God. He's just over the course of time and difficulty and, and circumstance and pain, just chosen to slowly say no to Jesus and found himself in a very hard and desperate place. And anyway, he rang and had a chat and I said, let's do coffee. So we went and we sat together. And in the, moment, in the context of that conversation of a very full coffee shop, sitting at a table, a big square table that had t- about 20 people around it, and we were only two people there by ourselves, but it was like they have these big community shared tables at these coffee shops, and I love that concept. We're all sitting around there, and as he began to tell me his story, God began to fill my heart with the things that my friend had forgotten that God had told him once before. And as, after he'd finished his piece... I was able to say to him, hey man, have you forgotten? And then the spirit of prophecy was on my lips. And I just said that God told you, you were going to do this with your life and thus with your life and do this with your life. And you were, you were made for this and you were made to th- for this and you've just forgotten. But I'm here to let you know, God's going to bring you back into all of that. And at that point, the spirit of God falls on my friend in the coffee shop. And he's in a manifestly powerful way. And he starts weeping and shaking and letting out a few kind of, you know, the, the, the grief of, of, a, of just a spirit that knows it's chosen death and not life. And that grief starts to come up in him. It's like, and out, out comes this grief out of him manifestly like this. And, the, and he starts weeping and the power of God is on him and he's sitting at the table like this. And all these people are sitting around me like, and I'm like, let's not be ashamed of the gospel of our God. Let's not be ashamed when the love of God is so powerful and great to reach into any random individual, anywhere we're walking life. And it may look all kind of weird and messy. That's, that's, forget that. That's where children their, their maturity, you know, in their first state. To grow, grow, become bold and allow the public demonstration of your God to save people. Your God to save people. And at that point, after praying with him and the spirit is all over him and he's weeping and the people all around us are like, what the heck is happening over there? And I just buoyantly, to my friend, but within the earshot of all those who were watching and listening, I said, I'm so thankful, God, that you've made Jesus known to my friend again. So they clearly knew what was going on. That was just a spirit of evangelism in that act of thanksgiving, testifying to what God was doing in this man's life. 
This isn't for the brave. This isn't for the huge people of God. This is just for Jesus people. Jesus people do this. This is what we do. We've been anointed to set people free. And after that, my friend, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I got to go now, so let's go. And he goes to get up, but he, he, he couldn't stand up. He quickly sort of fell back down. He, he was completely undone by the power of God's love. And we just had to sit there for a while until he could gather himself and his sensibilities and his physical strength. And after a bit, he said, I, I, I think I can walk now. So, oh, that's good. Let me walk you to your car. <laughs> I left him there in his car and I went on my way. But being confident of this, that he who began a good work in my friend will carry it on to completion, but he will use people like you and me to bring that anticipation of God back to people. You and me, disciples of Jesus, to speak prophetically and bring back, hey, I want to let you know, and I'm, I'm speaking to all of us that are here and anyone that chooses to listen on, um, on, the, on, the, on the SoundCloud today, this week. I'm speaking and saying, I am, confident, I am confident of this in God, that what he began in you as a good work of the testimony of his love in your life, he is completing it and he will bring it through to completion until the day of Christ because Jesus' love is bent on reaching in and doing its work for your well-being and the glorification of his Father in the earth. He's going to do it. And whether you're in a place of disbelief, unbelief, anger or brokenness, that, that won't hold back the love of Jesus getting through. Let me tell you, from a guy who wrote from prison, from a guy who had every reason to be bitter, twisted and angry, yet filled with the joy of the Lord and the confidence of the Lord was to be able to speak with anticipation as to what God would do in people's lives in the church at Philippi. Let me finish here. Psalm 126.2 says this, Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues were with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations. In other words, the testimony of God among God's people is this, that God has done great things for them that's our story. That's our, that's our experience to be lived. And that is the testimony of God on people through Jesus Christ and for his church in the earth. Filled, is your mouth, what's, what's filling your mouth? As, you, as you're leaving here today, what's filling your mouth? Is it, is it words of brokenness or cynicism or dis, dis, de, depression or... or or is it, la is it the laughter of God? Is it this capacity of no matter what the situation going on, God's bigger than this and I'm walking with him and he's going to start, he started something in me he's going to bring to completion. And I know it not because I'm buoyed up and g'd up because I'm working something up, but this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The second fruit that Paul listed in Galatians 5.22 says joy shall be theirs. It's a work of God and it's not something that we have to boy up and trying to generate and go and get. It's something that comes to us because it's the generosity of the reality of God to us. The joy of the Lord. What's your mouth filled with? Joy is what, gives us, is what God gives us. It's not what we worked up. 
And Peterson says, laughter is a result of living in the midst of God's great works. Enjoyment is an es- not an escape from boredom, but a plunge by faith into God's good work. Who wants to take the plunge? <laughs> Who wants to plunge today? Who wants to be plunged into the reality of God's good work and live a life of joy confident? That's, that's who we are. That's who we are. And I'm reminding us all, even as I'm reminding myself, that an authentic sign of the Christian walk, who those who are walking out their discipleship with Jesus, is joy. It is a characteristic, it is a signpost, it is a truth, it is a reality of walking with God for those who have chosen to no longer live with themselves at the centre and underneath the dictatorship of their own poverty, but instead plunge deep into the generosity of God. Amen? Who wants to take the plunge? Why don't you come on up the front and we'll, we'll plunge you. Come on up the front and we'll plunge you. That's, that's the ministry call. There we go. Who wants to take the plunge out from underneath the poverty of their own dictatorship of brokenness and cynicism and into the generosity of God?